Hello and welcome to the Caregivers Stories podcast, where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott, and I'm a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at age 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started the Caregivers Stories podcast to give caregivers a place to tell their stories when they're ready, continue the education for those who don't know about dementia and what to do when their loved one is diagnosed. But most importantly, I wanna get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, then what, what's the plan? I wish my mom and I had had that tough conversation before she was diagnosed. If you wanna share your story or your knowledge about dementia on this podcast, please go to thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed. And while you're there, you can pick which platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. So now that that's out of the way, I'd love to welcome my guest today, Marianne Suko. Hi, Marianne. Hey, Kimberly. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. Oh, I'm glad to do it. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. Oh, Did awesome. you know that today is Today is the longest day. It's the summer solstice. No, really? Day of the year. Uh And on this day, this is the day that the Alzheimer's Association puts up a big fundraising effort to fight Alzheimer's and dementia. Awesome. There's a lot going on today. Awesome. Well, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and who you are and what led you to do the work that you do today. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm a registered nurse. Okay. But more importantly, I'm a writer. I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a child. And I went to college and studied English and creative writing and tried to get a job as a journalist. And that didn't work out. (laughs) That was back in the 80s. And so I decided, since I wanted to be in a career where I was helping people, that I would go into nursing. At the Mm -hmm. time, there was a nursing crisis, shortage of nurses. And although I had no science background, I thought, well, maybe maybe I could make this work. And the very first job I had was in a long-term care facility and I worked in a dementia unit. Wow. And I loved it. Uh I also had two aunts at the time who Uh had Alzheimer's disease and one of them I was very close to. So that was heartbreaking to witness that. And I continued my nursing career in the hospital and became a case manager. And it was during that one day at work in that job, I met the couple that would become the characters in my first novel, Blue Hydrangeas, an Alzheimer's love story. And they simply captivated me and I couldn't stop thinking about them. And I created a story, which is set on Cape Cod, about this couple who are the owners of a bed and breakfast and they're grappling with her Alzheimer's disease. And that started to morph into my current project, which is ALF Authors, a global community of writers who are writing about Alzheimer's and dementia from their personal experience. Mm -hmm. Which is a great organization, great website that I wish I would have found seven years ago when my mom was diagnosed. It's something that's close to my heart. I'm still figuring it out, but even... After this time, I get people asking me all the time about how and what. I get people on LinkedIn messaging me saying that somebody that's close to them was just diagnosed with some form of dementia. And I know that there is a caregiver's crisis. We're living longer and 
So you're being able to publish information the way you all are doing and coming together to promote it is, is awesome. Thank you so much. We work really hard at it. We're all former caregivers. We've been there. We walked the walk. Shortly after my book was published, my stepfather was diagnosed with dementia. Uh, so I suddenly found myself living my own story. Uh, and I was responsible for him. He had signed me to be his healthcare proxy and power of attorney. So I was responsible for him legally, medically, and financially. And at the same time, my mother was dealing with her own health problems and her decline. Mm -hmm. And I was also responsible for her. But I lived four hours away, so I was more of a long-distance caregiver. Mm -hmm. I was involved every day mm -hmm. with what was going on in her house and what was going on with him because he, unfortunately, was placed in a nursing facility very quickly upon diagnosis. And my mother had her niece living with her as her full-time living caregiver, but I was involved from four hours away, and every month I would go there and stay for a few days to help out and, and manage yeah. everything and keep things running smoothly. And that went on for a couple of years until my mom passed away last wow. August. So I'm sorry. It was very, thank you. It was a very intense experience and it's very difficult, especially when you are trying to manage two people at the same yes. time. Yeah. And your own life. <laughs> I like mm -hmm, to say yeah my own life my yeah. own issues my yes. job and family so and then yeah. in the miles it's, it was a four to five hour drive so it's uh -huh. not really that bad but I would prefer it to have been around the corner yeah but it's better that you went to them instead of them coming to you because I originally thought I would move my mom to me and the doctor said absolutely not don't do that mm. um yeah and she has a she has a network of friends and she's physically very healthy so so the medicine and you know just physical activity has really kept her stable even though yeah. her things change all the time and i talk to her every morning thanks to technology i can talk to her via amazon alexa show yeah. but yeah it's still difficult so i can't imagine having to drive and still do all what you do and be an rn nurse you know to others while you're going through everything that you're going through that that's definitely hard and heart tugging if you will well one of the saving graces for that is my job now is in college health so i work on a college campus so there's no <laughs> dementia or anything like that going on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just still... my patients are pretty much healthy they're young and healthy yeah so what advice would you give to someone that just found out that their loved one was diagnosed with dementia the most important thing is to learn. People are not prepared for this disease and all of its ramifications. And it can go on for years and it affects every single aspect of your life. And there are a lot of resources out there. Mm -hmm. So for instance, as authors, we focus on books and blogs primarily at this time. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we vet the books. We review them and we, you know, investigate the author and we ask them to write the story behind this story. And on the website, you'll be able to find people who have written about their own experience in categorized in different ways. For instance, caring for a spouse, caring for a parent, mm -hmm. living with Alzheimer's, there's memoir, children's books, young adult fiction, a lot of different types of resources. So that would be a good starting point to you know, try to find some of these books, the ones that will speak to your particular story and start reading and yeah. learning 
call the Alzheimer's Association, ask them to do an evaluation to give you some kind of, you know, support that you can figure out what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Because I have worked with families and particularly relatives who have no knowledge of Alzheimer's disease and don't think that they need to learn anything. Yeah. And struggle and they make it difficult for their loved one too, because they don't understand that there are different types of techniques that you can use Mm -hmm. to make the situations work. Yeah. That you need to enter into their world. They are not going to come into your world anymore. Yeah. So you need to learn how to talk to them and and support them in their own world and to try to keep things stress-free. So, for instance, if a person, you know, you, you don't ask them, do you remember this all the time? Do you remember me? No, mm-hmm. they don't. So mm-hmm. when you say that, it just causes stress for them and then they get upset. Mm-hmm. Or people can pick up on your mood. So if you're in a stressed mood or you're angry or frustrated, they're going to pick up on that. And then that's going to affect their mood. Now you have an escalating situation mm-hmm. that wasn't necessary. Yeah. So there are definitely skills to be learned and just to understand what this disease process is like and how it changes people mm-hmm. and the different stages. There are different stages and people enter them at, in a different time frame. Sometimes people can flip back and forth from one to the other. Mm-hmm. And you would do yourself a big service to try to understand what is actually happening with this brain disease because it mm-hmm. is a disease mm-hmm. and the person can't help it. And we don't have anything that can help it. We don't have any medicines or surgery or yeah. anything like that that's going to make it better. It doesn't yeah. get better. Yeah. So talk to each other. Your atti- you need to change your yeah. outlook. Yeah. And educate yourself. That's, yeah, educate. Educate yourself every day. Do something. Yeah. yeah. Do something. A lot of caregivers I know don't have time to read. Maybe you have time to listen to an audio book. Many right. of the books in our library are on audio. Yeah. Or you could listen to a podcast like this. And there yeah. are others as well where people tell their stories where you can yes. listen to knowledgeable experts who have good advice. And even if you just spend five, 10 minutes a day, you will at least come away with something that might be useful to help you get through the next hour. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first year and a half, it was a handful of friends that had experienced it. We're going through it at the same time that I got my education from, you know, whether it's going to support groups with them or, you know, meeting, having coffee or just calling them. What did you do in this case? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's still overwhelming, but you know, it was enough for me to get a few things done almost immediately, like power of attorney, medical and all those things early on instead of later. Cause that I know would have been really hard if I had to wait. And then just getting her house set up electronically with like, you know, a a camera where I could see her and I can talk to her and, and then just trying my best to get find somebody. It took almost six years. It's been a year since we've had this woman that, that she gets along with well. And I call her her running buddy because she, she loves to run around with her and she's just the interaction with her. So yeah, getting educated, however you can get educated is important for sure. Yes. And I always tell people the second step after you, your doctor confirms that dementia diagnosis, the next step is to get to your attorney's office and start that paperwork. Yeah. That needs to be done right away Mm -hmm. because once that person is, you know, determined to no longer be competent, then they can't sign those papers. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to need that. You're going to need to be able to get into their bank account, to be able to, 
you know, manage their monies. I had to do all that for my parents. It was very difficult. Luckily, I had the power of attorney and, the, and all that business, but the whole process of it and the way that they had their situation set up, they went had two different banks. I ended up with like eight different accounts, <laughs> trying to merge them all together, and yeah. put them all in one place. And from 250 miles away, yeah. you know how banks are. You have to go there. You have to sign the papers. Mm -hmm. and so uh, it took a long time. Yeah. But yeah. I finally managed to at least get that. And we set a lot of her bills up on auto pay. Yes. And at first she was very resistant because she still wanted to maintain control over her money. Mm -hmm. But she trusted me. So that was a good thing. And yeah. we allowed her to keep a portion of her income for herself to manage on her own. Yeah. So. She was happy with that, but she likes having her bills paid automatically mm. all the time. Yeah, my mom she too. Was in and out, yeah, she's in and out of the hospital, so I couldn't be trying to manage, well, allow her to manage yeah. writing checks and things like that if she was incapacitated, so yeah, yeah, it anyway. was good. Yeah, you're exactly right. If, they, um, if they're deemed to be incompetent at a point yeah, when then the they dementia is, yeah, they're not yeah. allowed to make decisions, yeah, and now so, you are, you are yeah. stuck. So I definitely yeah. got that. That was the first thing that I did. Yeah. And, and she was very fine with it. Now she's not so much. She kind of, she likes the bills being paid, but she doesn't like me telling her spending stuff. So yeah. she has her own little debit card that only has enough money that, you know, that I put in as she needs it. So we worked it out. So it, it definitely. Yeah, was that's a, what we did. Yeah. You got to figure it out as you go. I know there's so many things when I ask this question, but I say, what's one thing you want people to know about, you know, dementia? It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of doom and gloom that surrounds dementia diagnosis, but people are still able to function and they can enjoy life and you can enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So you should never just automatically assume that that's over every day. You can continue to have a good relationship and to make memories together. Mm -hmm. It'll be your memories. Yeah. And it's important, you know, not to get them despondent as well. Yeah. And to find activities that they can enjoy. Sometimes, you know, they might not enjoy or be able to do the things that they used to do, but they can still learn new things and enjoy yeah. new experiences. Yeah. Even so if it's only I for that day. <laughs> yeah, only yeah. for that day. But I know a lot of people who are able to do that. There are a lot of people who are caregiving that are on Twitter tweeting mm -hmm. about their experience. Okay. And I follow them and, and every day I see them doing a different thing, whether they, you know, take a walk to the garden. I know one couple, she brings her husband to the zoo every day. He loves the zoo. So awesome. every day they go to the zoo. Yeah. And it gets them out of the house. They have exercise. Uh -huh. And he has a great day. Yeah. So little things like that. And it doesn't cost any money. Yeah. So those are, that's another good thing. So you, there's yeah. plenty of things in your community that you can do that they might enjoy. Yeah. And senior, senior centers. There's more and more senior centers now that I just found the one for my mom in El Paso. So I'm excited mm -hmm. about that. And yeah, and they have memory cafes now where you can go and sit and people with dementia can meet other people with dementia and they can talk. Wow. They can share their stories mm -hmm. and the caregivers can attend and, or they can, you know, drop them off and come back in an hour or two. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up in El Paso, Texas. <laughs> Yeah, the Alzheimer's Association, I think, sponsors some of those, but a lot of places do. Churches, yeah, I think some churches might have that. Sometimes you got to dig deep. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things aren't really advertised as well, so you really have to dig deep. Yeah. The other thing is that it's very important to talk 
about your experience. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of stigma associated with Alzheimer's dementia. And sometimes people are, don't want other people to know. They're ashamed mm -hmm. or embarrassed mm -hmm. because in our culture, you know, the idea of losing your mind is something that's considered shameful. Yeah. But there is no shame because this is a disease and mm -hmm. you can't help it. Yeah. So the best thing is to talk about it. And I know people that, you know, a friend of mine, one of the, my partners in Al's authors, her parents, the day they were both told on the same day that they had Alzheimer's. That was oh. the last time that word was ever spoken in their presence. Wow. They would not discuss it and they didn't want anyone to know. And it placed a huge burden on their daughter because she was bound to, to yeah. their wishes. She was not able to share with others what was going on. She was mm -hmm. very reticent to do that. And she, you know, had a couple of people that she could confide in, but it was very difficult for her. Yeah. And it's not really helpful. Yeah. So a lot of times, even when you're out, if, if you're out in social settings, sometimes I know people that have like little business cards that would say, you know, my wife has dementia or maybe, uh -huh. you know, please be patient or something. When something's not going right, you could always hand that to the person, the sales clerk or the waitress or whoever, mm -hmm. you know, so that they have an understanding of what's going on here, that the person's not just being difficult or, or yeah. whatever. They're yeah. not drunk. They're not being a jerk. Yeah. So people don't always understand what's yeah. happening mm -hmm. and people should go out. You need to go out and yeah. take the person out about life. It's yeah. not, um, they shouldn't be confined to the home and hidden. Yeah, I agree. That's not good. Yeah, absolutely not. It makes it worse. <laughs> There's no exactly, interaction. and it isolates the caregiver. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. They get caregiving. I learned the quote: "Caregiving can kill the caregiver if they don't practice mm -hmm. self-care." So, getting outside right. is important of the home. And then, what happens to your person? Yeah. If you yes. yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the things I wanted to mention is that I went on the dementia cruise mm -hmm. back in oh. April. There was what? A There's a dementia cruise. Yes, there is. It wow. was in April. It's called the Building Bridges of Hope and Connecting Circles of Care Cruise for Dementia Caregivers. It was the first time that we went on, that this particular cruise went out. Mm -hmm. And it was a conference on the cruise. So we had several speakers there. I was one of them. I talked about Al's authors. And we had researchers. We had a documentarian. Mm -hmm. in the middle of creating a film she spoke we had financial services expert mm -hmm. who was there speaking on that another one of the al's authors was there as well he had written a book of poetry and the dementia caregiving expert was also there i mean we just had a very good slate of speakers and mm -hmm. there were several couples who came all couples mm -hmm. And every day we would have a presentation in the morning, one or two, and then we would enjoy the ship or go on shore mm -hmm. and have dinner in the evening together and socialize. It was a wonderful time. Did These people were in the early stages of their disease, so okay. they were all pretty much on their own power. They could, you know, walk and they had pretty good stamina to keep up with what was going on. Uh -huh. But it was something that if your loved one is still highly functioning, uh-huh. That you might want to consider oh, yeah. taking this type of a trip. Uh-huh. It's very safe. There's no okay. way really for them to go. I mean, yeah. you can get lost in a ship, but yeah. people will find you. That actually happened to one of the gentlemen. She she left him in the room. 
uh-huh. to go to one of the sessions. And when she got back, he had left the oh. room. Yeah. So she panicked, but she found him right away. And he was with members of the crew that had, you know, happened upon him and figured out something wasn't right. And, and they yeah. took care of him until she came back. But everything is there for you on a cruise. If, if you've never been, it's a vacation where you get on and you don't have to do anything until you get off. Wow. So I have to share this with you, Marianne. I am terrified of doing a cruise and my mom and stepdad have always done cruises and my boyfriend's been uh-huh. a pro cruise. So maybe this is something I have to just suck it up and Oh yeah. And, and go do for next year as a homage to my mom, have her come along. Cause she, yeah. she loves to travel still, even though it, it's not the best for her. If she's not with somebody, mm-hmm. she keeps saying she can do it by herself, but I'm sure my stepdad would love it as long as he didn't have to do it all by himself. Cause it is very overwhelming. He's, you know, 80 years old. So it might be something that I'm going to suck it up and go do. Yes, you should. The next yeah. cruise is going to be March 1st. Okay. Next year. I'm ready. So yeah, it down. Lisa Cherico is the cruise and conference producer. So okay. you can look her up on nursinghomeology.com okay. Okay. and find the information there. Awesome. And she's on Twitter too. I mean, yeah, Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay. Talking about the cruises, but okay. we went to the Dominican Republic, Turks and Caicos, Key West, and then the Bahamas to their mm-hmm. pri- Holland America was the cruise line. We went to their private island and it was just wonderful. There's all kinds of entertainment. You can go to shows, you can go to the casino, they have games, they have bingo, they have trivia, mm-hmm. they have happy hour, they have music, dancing, all of it, everything you can imagine. So you can do all that or you don't even have to. You can just sit out on the deck and enjoy the breeze and, and watch the ocean if that's what you want to do. They yeah. feed you incredibly well. You don't uh, have to worry about your meals. Yeah. You don't have to do any housework. I mean, you, just <laughs> take, you just take care of yourself and get yeah. yourself to where you want to be. Yeah. And make great memories. So yeah. it's an opportunity for a family to do something, you know, meaningful together and create memories, get some good pictures. Absolutely. Have a good time. Yeah. And enjoy their loved one. Yes. Very important to enjoy them while you have them and mm-hmm. continue to make the memories. I constantly take pictures when I'm home of whatever, you know, and her and my nieces and my nephews and my brother and her mom and just, and put them up on the wall so she can see them and, you know, yeah. reminisce about those times, even if she's not quite sure when, but because her long-term memory is much better. Of course, she has no short-term memory. So what's something that surprised you about being a caregiver? What really surprised me is how well I was able to manage all the uh, accounts because I don't (laughs) do that. My my husband takes care of that business. Uh So when I had to stop balancing a checkbook and moving monies around and dissolving accounts and stuff like that, I was pretty pleased with myself because I (laughs) managed to do it. Yeah, Yeah. that was like overwhelming to me. But I did. I I learned how to do all that stuff, and and I took care of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very important. It's something that a lot of us get tasked to do, whether we are good at it or not, or whether we want to do it or not. I'm the same way, and it was something my mom always. She was the manager of all the money, so yeah, I get my talents from her, not knowing that I had them. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Yeah. And I was lucky because my brothers were, you know, they were supportive of that choice that I was the one yeah. that took it over. Well, that's um, good. Because it is a burden. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a burden. Yeah. 
Absolutely. you need to make sure it's somebody that's going to be trustworthy. Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, my whole focus for me was making sure that my mother's needs were met and that she was comfortable and I didn't want her to suffer any mm -hmm. kind of stress over money yeah. throughout whatever they were going on because he was placed in a nursing home and they had to go on Medicaid, which was devastating for her. And I had to do that too. I had to go through the whole Medicaid process, mm -hmm. which is a nightmare. All so months. that's another thing people need to do is you need to get the money situation straightened out because they want to know everything. And yeah. My stepfather had assets that my mother didn't even know about. We oh. found out about by accident, actually. So good for us. Yeah. But, you know, I had no idea in trying yeah. to collect stuff and, and organize it and, and put it all together. And then, you know, they decline you and then you have to make an appeal and it goes on and on for months yeah. before you can finally get approval. Yep. It's not a very nice process to go yeah. through that. Yeah. So I've heard. Hopefully I'll be prepared because I've definitely consolidated yeah. things for her and sold off assets for her and, you yeah. know, got the joy of going through all that process. So So they do have community Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So that means that if you qualify for Medicaid and the person is still living at home, it'll provide for services in the home. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. So, and then they have the spousal recusal. So the spouse, so that person doesn't become impoverished, mm -hmm. is able to separate themselves financially from the other person and maintain some of the asset and the other person would still be allowed to get benefits. It's so that might be something to look into to find out the threshold. Like they let you own your home, one home, mm -hmm. and you can have a car. And you can have like, I think it was like $120,000 in the bank mm -hmm. in assets. And, and that's called what? The spousal what? Spousal recusal or something like that. Okay. So they have to say that, no, I'm not going to use my money to pay for my husband or my wife. Okay. So that sounds like a terrible thing. But at the same time, that person has to live too, you know? Like my yeah. mother was in that situation. We didn't know how long she would live. She, you know, we didn't expect her to pass away when she did. Yeah. She could have lived many, many years. And that was always one of my big worries is what if I run out of money? Yes. What if I run out of money? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I would be able to sleep at night worrying about that. Yeah. Yep. Because so, we're living longer. And so hence, if yeah. you don't have a conversation about this, it's, um, that is definitely something that will occur if you don't even mm -hmm. have just a small smidge of a plan or small smidge of a conversation. So yeah you can take care of your loved one. So. One of the things my mom was very, you know, adamant about was not selling her home, even though mm -hmm. she didn't live there anymore. She was living with my brother. Mm -hmm. And I knew that she would go off back and forth. Okay, you can sell my house. Because I said, you know, we need that money. I mean, yeah. you're not going to go home again. And if I need money to pay, we were paying over $2,000 a week for caregivers just so that my brother could go to work. Wow. I said, if I don't, if I run out of money, how am I going to do this for you? So she would say, okay, you can sell it. Oh, no, don't ever sell it. I don't want you to sell that. Don't you dare. Hmm. So I was just, you know, a year ago, I said, you know, I, I got to do something about this. I can't hang on to this. It's costing us money every month just to keep yeah. this place. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, let me see. Let me put out some feelers and see if I can find someone. And I did. I found a real estate agent who came. And he looked it over and he said, I know somebody that wants to buy this. Wow. What? Are you kidding me? I think it'd be on the market for months. 
Oh, wow. Nope. He called me back later that week with an offer. That's awesome. And then my mother actually passed away like a week later. Wow. So I never told her I was selling yeah. the place. I don't know if anybody did. I told everybody, do not tell her I was selling yeah. the place. But I don't know if somebody did or not. Wow. But, you know, it's, I said, well, what am I, you know, if I need that money, I yeah, can't be sitting on a house. Yes, absolutely. And Knowing, it is, uh, you know, I have nobody take care of my mother. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good for you for making the executive tough decision in doing so, for sure. Yeah, I um, mean, sometimes you do. You have to go against their wishes, but yeah, it was for her own good. Yeah, definitely. And so, I had a buyer. I was not going to say no to that buyer. Yeah, I can still be sitting here a year later wondering when is somebody going to buy this place. Absolutely, because it can take that long. I went through that process, so good for you. Yeah. Um, how can folks get a hold of you if you know they have more questions or where can they buy your books? Okay, so they can visit my website. It's maryannshuko.com mm -hmm. or yeah, allauthors.com. They want to okay. check out that website, allauthors.com. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook under my name. Yes. And LinkedIn, I'm there too. And my email is maryannshuko at gmail.com. Okay. So you can drop me a line. Awesome. My books are on Amazon. So just look up Marianne Shuko on Amazon. You'll see Blue Hydrangeas. It's available in Kindle, paperback, and audio. Awesome. And I also had written a prequel to that story called Christmas at Blue Hydrangeas. And I have another novel. It's a young adult novel called Swim Season, which was inspired by my daughter's 11-year swim career. Mm -hmm. and several short stories well good awesome yeah well, thank, thank you Marianne I really appreciate well, thanks for having today. me yes I truly appreciate your time and to the listeners thank you for tuning in today if you know somebody who could use Marianne's story please share this podcast and while you're there sharing please rate the podcast on whatever you're listening to whether it's thank iTunes you. Spotify Google SoundCloud YouTube Alexa and until next week, remember sharing is caring and to the caregivers listening, take care of yourself so you can continue to take care of others. And to those who have not had that tough conversation with your family member about the what if something happens and you can no longer care for yourself, then what? What do you do? Take it from me, the daughter with a mother with dementia, I wish I'd had that tough conversation with her because tomorrow is mm -hmm. promised to no one. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you.